0: Welcome to Worship with Central Presbyterian Church, 133 Genesee Street in the village of Avon.
1: Rev. Karen Farmer, pastor.
0: Good morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are welcome to worship on this Sunday morning. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to this peace we are called as members of a single body. The peace of Christ be with you all. day 1 God the Lord speaks and summons the
2: earth From the rising of the sun to the setting God shines forth
0: Our God does not keep silent He calls yes, ones. The heavens declare God's righteousness
2: God alone is the judge Let,
0: Let us worship God God, whose Son was revealed in majesty before he suffered death upon the cross, give us faith to perceive his glory, that being strengthened by his grace, we may be changed into his likeness from glory to glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: The reading for today is from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 to 6. And before I read the actual reading, I'd like to share with you two things I learned from writings about it that helped me understand it better. The first thing is in the first line it says, the gospel is veiled. Earlier in the letter from St. Paul, He mentions the story of Moses coming down from the mount, and his face is filled with the glory of God. And it is so bright and so overwhelming, the Israelites can't handle it, and he has to put a veil over his face. And thus he's hiding the actual full glory of God. So when they mention the gospel is veiled in the first sentence, they're saying, you got some of the good ideas from the gospel, but the essence is lost. The other thing I learned that made it easier for me to understand is when they mention God of this world, they're not talking about God the Father, God the Son, none of the good guys. When they're talking about the God of this world, they're talking about Satan or anything that would take you away from God. So when you think of God of this world, think the bad guys. So here is the reading for today. And even if our gospel is veiled... with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And this ends the first reading.
2: I'm be
0: today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 8. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them, And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. They were terrified. A cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. They were coming down the mountain. He ordered them to tell no one about what they'd seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. ends our gospel reading for this morning. Our first reading talks about things being veiled. That there are times that we just don't see what's right in front of us. If you're a romance reader, there's that trope of the best friend. The couple have been best friends forever. And all of a sudden they realize, oh! This is the one for me. They had years to figure this out. But it takes them a while. The world can get in our way. Of course, sometimes the world veils us and hides us from the truth in other ways. There was an interview on NPR where Reverend Russell Moore said multiple pastors had told him disturbing stories about their congregation being upset when they read from the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus espouses principles of forgiveness and mercy, things that are central to Christian doctrine. Multiple pastors Tell him essentially the same story. Quote Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and have someone come up after the service to say, well, where did you get those liberal talking points? More added, and what was more alarming is that when the pastor would say, I am literally quoting Jesus, the response would be, yes, but that doesn't work anymore. It's weak. Now, to be clear about who Russell Moore is, Russell Moore is a Southern Baptist pastor. He is the chief academic officer at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Russell Moore is not anyone's definition of liberal. But he's confronted with folks who are responding to the gospel And they can't see it. Their eyes are veiled by a world's determination that we need to be strong and powerful. Although I have to admit, I can't imagine anything stronger than dying for others. I can't imagine anything more courageous than putting your life on the line to save other people. I'm not sure how that's anyone's definition of weak. In the gospel reading, we end up up on the mount, and Peter and James and John go up with Jesus, and they get a glimpse of him in all of his glory. And Peter suggests they camp out, that they stay, that they build shelters. I find it interesting that in other places in Mark, Jesus says, I can't stay here. i got to go on. I can't stay here. There are other people out there who need to hear the good news. Now, maybe Peter thinks, well, that that part of the mission is done. We've we've walked all over the place, and um, now we can stay up on this mountain. Or... Perhaps Peter is thinking some ancient version of field of dreams. If we build it, they will come. And on the one hand, I can see the attractiveness of just saying, all right, from now on, folks, Jesus is here. There is no looking for him. He didn't walk out across the water. He didn't get in a boat and go to sleep when a storm had up. He's not wandering around all of these other towns. If you want Jesus, he is right here on the mountain. You can find him. But when you read the gospel enough times, I also have visions of parents hauling sick children up a mountain. So Jesus could heal them. I can see friends carrying sick friends up the mountain. So Jesus could heal them. And I don't doubt they would. If you read the gospel story, there's one where the man's friends can't get to Jesus because there's a crowd. And they actually dig through a sod roof so they can lower their friend through the ceiling. To Jesus to be healed, people would indeed go to extremes to get to Jesus. I wonder if Peter and James and John have visions of Jesus and Moses and Elijah talking together about the law and the prophets and you know, maybe the Pharisees and Sadducees could make their way up the mountain and stand by and take some notes. Because Jesus seems to think they're getting it wrong a lot of the time. And if Moses and Elijah are there, there is no way that this could just get written off as Jesus' interpretation. Because Moses, the great lawgiver. And Elijah, the great prophet, are standing there with him. Perhaps Peter, James, and John could claim, in an ancient take on Hamilton, that they are now actually in the room where it happens, that they know what God has intended through Jesus and through Moses and through Elijah. And I think we all get the desire to camp out. This is the high point. Let's stay. We have things in our memories, high points of church life, high points in our own lives, High points in our families' lives or our kids' lives, and we think, wouldn't it be awesome to stay here? Just to stay for a minute, soak it in, maybe build some structures so we can keep this forever. But on the other hand, we all know that's not how life works. You have the wedding, the great joy, the radiant bride, the thrilled groom. They get to that point. They're making their promises and vows. And you know what happens next after the reception and after the party? The marriage. It's then about making it work. You don't camp out at the wedding. You live out your vows. (laughs) You try to make it work for the long haul. There are days that you remember that, yes, we did say in sickness and in health. We did say for richer, for poorer. Or to use another example, it's the baby shower. Everybody gets together. It's a great big party. You get to open all the little tiny things. And then you have the baby. And it's the 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. and 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. feedings. Because they're babies and they're tiny and they have little tiny tummies and they're going to need to eat a lot because they're starting to grow a lot. But we don't camp out at the baby shower in the middle of the party. And we don't camp out at the wedding in the middle of the party. We celebrate, and then we go on with life. So I think Peter and John and James want to celebrate this moment, and Jesus is saying in other ways, yes, celebrate the moment, and then we move on because Jesus has more living to do and Peter and James and John make what somebody said is one of the greatest scriptural ships. And it's easy to miss. They are spectators. They go up the mountain and they see this happen. They're spectators, bystanders. But at the end of it, Jesus is going to call them to be witnesses. Witnesses after I'm raised from the dead I'm going to need you guys to be my witnesses and to talk about what had happened all those months before. To talk about the ways in which Jesus and Moses and Elijah are actually on the same page. There are things that you It's easy to miss. We don't often think of Moses and Elijah on the same page. If you look, this is Elijah. The altar with the water running down it and the wood on fire. There's a story of him challenging the court prophets of Ahab and Jezebel. He says, fine. You get your court prophets together and set up a sacrifice, and I will get my sacrifice together for the God of Israel, and whichever God answers with fire is God. Elijah is frankly rude about the story. When Baal fails to answer the court's prophets, Elijah starts to suggest that Baal has perhaps stepped away to a restroom, isn't available at the moment, and when it comes turn for Elijah, he soaks the wood with water before God answers with fire. The lower one is Moses. The Ten Commandments tablets, the burning bush. It takes courage to be Elijah. To stand up to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, who, by the way, is the daughter of the neighboring king. So he's taken on a bunch of people when he stands up to them and their court prophets. But it's very similar to to Jesus finding out John the Baptist has been beheaded by King Herod, and what does Jesus do but go out with the same message? The kingdom of heaven is coming near. What courage does it take to step out with the same message as the last guy who was just beheaded? And Jesus, the cup and the loaf, the light of the world, He says similar things around Moses and the commandments. He includes healing as part of his Sabbath rest. And when people challenge him, he points out, y'all feed your animals on the Sabbath, don't you? Y'all take them out, get them water. I've seen people walking their dogs on the Sabbath." And I can't imagine the amount of noise our cat would make if we failed to feed him. Because it was a Sunday. Jesus is like, you're missing the point. The point is you're not slaves anymore. Nobody should be running 24-7. Nobody. 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 point is that everybody gets rest but it's hard to rest if you're not well so healing is appropriate on the Sabbath the disciples will come down the mountain and there's the weirdness of them saying nothing (laughs) because again Jesus does this a lot in, in Mark don't say anything this just happened keep your mouth shut for now Here he says, in essence, people are not going to understand until after I have died and rose. If people see this, Jesus and Moses and Elijah, they're going to want to crown him as king. Not with a crown of thorns, which is the crown he'll end up with, but with a crown like Herod. Jesus is trying to say something different. Jesus is giving that close inner circle a glimpse and saying, all right, you've seen it. You caught a glimpse of God. Now go on out and be my witnesses when you know the whole story. We're blessed. We know the whole story. So we can go out and be witnesses and point to God's love and grace everywhere in our world. Amen. You've been listening to the 10 a.m. service from Central Presbyterian Church in the village of Avon. This radio ministry has been made possible by Stokey Farms, 656 South Road in Scottsville. We at Central Presbyterian Church believe that the love of God should flow through us to our members, our community, our nation, and the world. Visit us on the web at cpcavon.org or call 226-2626.